Julie at Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to episode 113 of Dogcast Radio. In this episode, we have a moving interview with pitbull rescuer Cindy Marabito. And the dog was put down, and he was seven months old. And he also, another thing I remember about Justin is he still had his little puppy fur, but it had that soft, uh, feathery feel to it. And he was still a puppy. Plus, I'll be commenting on what's been going on recently in the dog world. But before all that, we have an interview with Nick Jones. Nick is an established dog trainer, a canine behaviour specialist, and also provides expert advice in the magazine Dogs Monthly. It's that time of year when we resolve to improve ourselves. But I wanted to know what resolutions we can make that will improve life for our dogs. Nick came up with some practical and intriguing suggestions. Excellent. Hello, Julie. So nice to talk with you again. Um, I've put together three very simple and hopefully varying uh, resolutions that that I think people will probably find more thought-provoking in themselves rather than giving them definitive things or me telling people what they should do. Because, of course, every dog and owner is different. Every uh, need that each owner has varies immensely. So we need to take that into account. But at the top of my list, I have the subject of exercise. Mm-hmm. And I, I present that as a question. Is is there enough? Is the dog getting enough exercise? You know, in my work, uh, when I go to see people for behaviour problems, I'm often surprised, well, probably not less and less nowadays, that the, the dogs just don't seem to get out enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said just now, this isn't always the case. Many people aren't excellent with the levels of exercise that the dogs get. But I think we often underestimate how much exercise a dog could absorb now i'm not suggesting that somebody goes out for hours on hours and and um you know absolutely flog the dog and and the dog's exhausted that's not what we're looking at extra sorry exercise should be given in an uh, in a moderate way so the dog is left feeling content that was a point put to me quite some years ago by um, somebody that was mentoring me. Uh, and I thought, well, that's a nice way of putting it, leaving the dog feeling content. So when we get back from the exercise, the dog shouldn't be um, too exhausted or indeed it shouldn't still be hyper. Mm, yeah. So by by following and looking for contentment post-exercise, we should be hitting the right type of uh, the right amount of activity for that given breed uh, and the the dog at its particular age and and taking into account other factors along those lines but in terms of exercise um, some little bullet points I made were variety because of course to follow the same route every day is monotonous both for the owner and the dog yeah we're also looking at location so the, the going to different locations just following on from that same point the different type of exercise that we're giving the dog can also um, make a nice, enjoyable uh, variation for the dog. Hmm. So some of my walks with my dogs might just be long country walks where I'm getting my own head down and I'm walking, walking, walking. And other dogs, I may personally be not moving around too much whilst I'm using a ball flinger with my little border terrier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
also the duration of the walks and not every walk needs to be as i've just said um terribly long uh, some days can be more uh, restricted in the sense of exercise so the owner doesn't need to feel bad if the dog isn't getting out every day mm-hmm. okay i also like to intersperse my uh walks with a degree of obedience especially with younger dogs once the dog becomes more mature we can relax a bit more but um a case in point is my own dog max he's now 14 months uh wirehead vizsla and so on each walk i'm still doing random recalls and sits and stays and waits and um just to keep him on the ball yeah yeah and i mean sometimes it's that it's easy to underestimate getting him to use his brain out on a walk and, and as you say, keep him um, alert as to what you're going to ask him to do. Adds to that sense of when he's back, he has had a good workout. You do get that contentment, as you've said. Yeah, absolutely. And again, by by uh, exercising a degree of balance in uh, and variety throughout the walk, we we are exercising all elements of the dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Both physically and mentally. Okay, so that's a very good point. Um, Also, of course, as I talk to you now, uh, coming into mid-December, very dark nights when people, owners are getting home from work, those that are in that sort of position, it will be dark already. Mm. And they may even be going to work uh, when it's dark. So I am aware and I am a realist that this can be a very real uh, thing for people to cope with. I try where possible, with providing the owner has sufficient confidence to say, look, go out anyway, because what do we do? You know, are we going to wait until March or until we start opening up the exercise again? So, but I don't like to send people out without thinking about, um, you know, being seen and being safe. Mm. And in the darkness, that's normally people's two main concerns. So... I do recommend uh, the use of flashing collars, uh, which are extremely good nowadays. The, the, with the introduction of LED technology, these flashing lights are really superb. Uh, you can get those on collars, leads, body harnesses. So with a bit of Googling around, people will pick up um, products along those lines. Yeah. And for the owner, they can wear things like head torches, so like a big elasticated band around the back of the head and with a good broad beam uh, illuminating their way as as well as them wearing reflective clothing um and also uh you know having torches and so just so they know where the dog is and where the so the dog knows where the owner is yeah yeah and it's actually surprising just sort of you know a, a sash across and sort of around the waist um and you know i live in quite a rural area and it's it's very mm. dark but the headlights mm. pick up those reflection you know reflective strips and you do make out okay there is a person there it's very easy to tell with quite a small amount of you know even reflective stuff yeah i mean the, i have a little flashing led collar for my border terrier and i i i should think with clear line of sight you could see that from well over a mile away yeah yeah. Not that I hope she'd ever be that far <laughs> away, but you know, it just goes to show how how good this technology is now. So don't let the dark put you off. Get out there. Just strike a balance with the dog. Some owners may need to wait until the weekend before they can really, you know, give that extra nice walk. And, and that's fair enough and understandable. But but even if it's dark, go out anyway. Mm. 
Yeah. So, the, you know, the, and to conclude on the exercise level, I, I'm saying that dog exercise equals human exercise. Yeah. And, of course, it's a good feeling for dogs to get out. It's good bonding for dogs and owners to get out together. Um, so just go for it. Go outside. Make sure your dog is is getting enough exercise. And, of course, that means enough for its its breed, its age, um, and so on. So yeah. that's, that's, the, that's the main thing, exercise. Yeah. I think exercise does seem to be a real key point for dogs i mean i it's a general thing isn't it that i've I've sort of heard if you do have problems behavior problems you know double or increase the exercise for that peace of mind of the dog it does seem to be to have a real connection with the well-being of the dog and the actual exercise yeah i think that's very true it's not a um a one-size-fits-all solution, but it, it, it is very true uh, that uh, an exercise dog is a tired, relaxed dog, and, and, and a dog which is tired is either less likely to cause damage in the home or less likely to be awake fretting about where the owner is, let's say. Um, mm. and so, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. A, 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 a tired dog <laughs> is, is generally a well-behaved dog. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I also think so many times I think, oh no, I, I don't want to go today. I'm tired, or I'm busy, or it's cold. And I do find that if you can just get the motivation to get up and get out, it yeah. does reinvigorate you, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. So, um, and you know, it's it's like we're, we're probably sounding like some sort of. Um, enthusiastic uh, club that's making everybody go out and exercise in the new year but um it's just a case of having a degree of moderation but being sure that there is a little bit of consistency and that they don't allow the uh, the dark nights to put them off completely to maybe just stop take stock of the amount of exercise their dog is getting per week even and and just asking themselves honestly is is that enough for my dog yeah yeah. I like I like that approach, Nick, because, you know, we all lead busy lives. You know, some days do get away from you. But the thing is, pick it up tomorrow again. You know, as you say, look at it over the week, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Look at the bigger picture. It's, it's uh, as I was saying, don't stress too much. I, I never put people under pressure by telling them how much, mm-hmm. uh, be, because, as you say, rightly, we, we all uh, have different lifestyles as well. And most of us are very, very busy. Um, but integrating that exercise into your daily routine and trying to make it a routine for most people does help. I, I know it helps me if I make a routine out of it yeah. um, because then it's there's less thought involved. It, it's just more of an automatic function, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, so that's that's resolution number one. Um, yes. To ensure you meet your dog's exercise needs. So what's, yes. what's resolution number two then, Nick? Well, it's it's the consideration of introducing a new activity to your dog. Hmm. Um, So, again, I'm not here to tell people what they should do. It it very much depends on the breed uh, that that they own. So very often a breed or a a group type of dogs may well affect the the type of activity they, they take on. But it's just encouraging people to think about whether they could seek other activities that they could do with their dog that the owner would enjoy as well because invariably these activities are human dog based and that um that that new activity can help uh develop the bond more with their dog and and that's the simple point it has to be a good thing to be developing an activity um 
so some of the questions I put down in terms of what they could think about things like agility, nose work, uh, just simply meaning uh, hunting for things, uh, maybe gun dog training if they had an, uh, the, an, the appropriate breed. But I think very often the breed that the owner has may well uh, be the first indicator or the starting point as to the type of activity they might like to uh, become involved with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, because, of course, if we try and take a, um, hmm, uh, let's say, a bulldog to do agility, <laughs> yes. that, that, that may not be the best starting point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, th- this is just a bit something a bit thought-provoking, Ooh. You know, it, it's, it is easy. We come back to this idea and, and it really connects to this sentiment of what New Year resolutions are about. A, a, new, a resolution is something, if I put my own take on it, that we, uh, that, that we, we feel that um, would be good for us to do, mm. but we may be, may be missing out on. Yeah. You know, uh, and and that's a real key area where I like to sort of get people to think about what they could do to enhance and improve their time and their relationship with their dog. Yeah. I mean, I, I, funnily enough, I've been writing a series of articles about the different dog activities that are on offer and there are so many i mean you know you've got sort of everything from your high energy and like fly ball you know then as you say nose work is a bit calmer there is water training you know for you maybe for your bigger breeds your new fans but Mm. even obedience or i mean everybody could have a go at um he'll work to music you know yeah there is something for everybody out there yeah yeah, exactly. And, and you know, thank you for adding those extra thoughts in because that is, uh, again, just goes a little bit further into showing the the amount of different activities there are um, that, that people can do with their dogs. Some people, I find, you know, actually underestimate their dogs. Yes. Um, and they think that, you know, I've had quite a few people say, well, he's just thick he just doesn't pick it up you know and and they're often eating their words at the end of a couple of hours so yeah but that it so don't underestimate your dog folks make sure that um you, you're giving your dog due credit and and try to do different things we are absolutely flooded with different books and dvds and guides on the internet on different things that we can do with our dogs so you know, um, have a look, have a scrape around and see what you could do, which is which is fun and, uh, to do with your dog, even even in your own lounge of an evening, you know, yeah, do, do yeah. little bits of hide the treat, just mess about. Yeah, it doesn't need definitely. to be, it doesn't need to be grand. No, no. I think, so, you know, you're absolutely right there, Nick, because I, I tried several things um, the year before last with Buddy. And there were so many things that I would have just said, no, no, it's not going to work for me. It's not going to work for him. You know, yeah. and we we gave them a go, and okay, we we didn't win, you know, gold medals at any of them. But yeah. your dog will rise to the occasion, and that will mean we competed in in starters or, or no pre beginners, pre pre beginners obedience. You know, yes. and as I say, we're not going to win any medals, but you know, he amazed me with what he achieved in a short space of time. And I would yeah. have said, no, no, not starter. Yeah. And they do it, so have a go. And if it, you know, if you don't like it, move on, but have a go. Yeah, exactly. And I think it can often be our own inhibitions or our own sort of, oh, you know, don't think I will kind of thinking yeah, that, yeah. That, that holds the dog back. You know, yes. the, the, the dog doesn't have the thought of failure um, or such inhibitions. It, it really doesn't. He's just there in that moment thinking, well, what are we doing now, boss? Yeah. 
um, or however it may think. So, yeah, just just be open minded. Think about introducing a new activity that could further enhance your relationship and 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 enhance um, the dog's state of being. Definitely. And, and its sense of how it feels about itself. You know, I do believe dogs can feel good. Mm. Uh, they do feel good after an activity. You've only got to see it in, in a dog that's performing or doing something which is breed specific, which um, which they've enjoyed. And you can see the, the glee all over their body language yeah yeah they yeah. don't they don't look at it as work do they i mean we've got an alley-oop um sort of you know it's like a, a stick with a heavy base and a ball on the top and it's, it's I... simply a target you know the dog goes to it or you know like that um mm. and as soon as we get it out buddy's tail is wagging and he's like yeah great what are we going to do and there's not a trace of oh not that again yeah <laughs> i know well that's that's of course key if you do see your dog sl- slinking off when you yes. go to do something that is a little indication that the dog might prefer to do something different yeah that is yeah. when that is when you're getting your uh, bulldog to do agility you know? yes <laughs> yeah so no you're absolutely right it's it's a lovely thing to see a dog do something that it enjoys and of course that gives us joy mm-hmm. um and and uh, you know what can be better yeah, great. That's that's excellent. That's our first two. So if, if people still have energy for a third one, what's the yes. third resolution? Well, this is a, a more broad thought and something that um, I would ask people to, again, it, it, when we come to an end of the year, we often take stock. Now, we depending on the age of your dog, um, you, you'll be taking stock of your dog in different ways. Mm. Um but the the way I, what I'm thinking here is is taking stock of your dog's behaviour and or any training areas that need to be uh, addressed, e- either in your opinion as an owner or let's say somebody else's opinion, <laughs> because yes. some behaviours come up that we we may be quite happy with and others could find it quite. Um, problematic depending on what it is and when it happens yeah do you know so, I'm, just, I'm just thinking well yeah. my dog's perfect but other people yeah. say he jumps up but he's, he's perfect there's nothing wrong with him yes. <laughs> well likewise i've got two perfect dogs that's that's why we get on so well yes. um but just to say you know there, there is no need to struggle on to struggle uh with any unwanted behaviors admittedly some are easier to resolve than others but uh many behaviors are are very um treatable um and and also if a dog is carrying some sort of behavior problem it does and can affect the the level of the dog's freedom or activity yes yeah so for example just rewinding what we've looked at briefly introduce the, the first point was about enough exercise the second one was introducing a new activity well let's say if your dog had behavioral problems let's say towards people or other dogs just as a uh, an off-the-cuff thought that that behavior would affect you indulging in those first two ideas yes yeah. and and i'd like to think that getting out and about and uh, carrying out an activity with your dog are two very common and fundamental, probably, uh, areas that we all hope to uh, enjoy or, uh, w- with with our dogs. Mm. Do you, so do you see my logic? Yes, yeah. Uh, and and th- so I'm just, I'm not saying what they people should do because it's specific to each individual. Most problems that people are experiencing with their dogs are, are not overtly difficult to resolve. Uh, and 
through some self-research uh, reading. There's lots of good material available, certainly in written form, um, from respected authors that have very clear guides on how to overcome many behaviours. So it doesn't need to be complicated. Um, keep things simple in dealing with any uh, behaviour issues. Naturally, if you're out of your depth and if there's something that's happening which um, you don't feel you have either the confidence or the knowledge to approach, then, of course, seek out a local behaviourist or trainer, depending on the problem. Uh, but I would certainly encourage people not to live with problems uh, which could be affecting the quality of life that that dog is having otherwise. Yeah, yeah. It, it horrifies me when you see sort of, you know, it's me or the dog or Susan Milan or whatever you watch. And mm. people have their lives just blighted by mm. behaviours that, you know, you, and some of them you look at and think, oh, they'll never do that. And then the trainer comes in, you know, gives the advice and you can put things right, can't you? Yes, and, and admittedly, sometimes it does take the interjection of a, a, another party to say, look, this is what you're doing wrong and this is how you change it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's embarrassingly simple, both for, <laughs> for the owner mm. as, as well mm. as the trainer. But, hey, you know, it doesn't matter. As long as we get to a, a successful outcome, that's, that's, that is all that matters. Um, so, yes, it's just, you know... A, a, an encouraging word for me to say to people address any behavior or training concerns that you have with your dog don't struggle on with them mm. um that there if if money is a problem in working with a trainer then you know be uh, resourceful and, and research and pick up some secondhand books and uh, because what i'm trying to say is that most problems are not terribly difficult to overcome yeah yeah okay so so and hopefully when they have overcome any such problems then it will improve the quality of life they have as an owner on an individual basis and of course that relationship they they are having and experiencing with their dog yeah definitely i think you've you've made a brilliant point there nick though that you know um a well-trained and well-behaved dog gets to do so much more than a badly behaved one yeah, and, and doesn't it break your heart when you see the most bright-looking button of a dog on the lead? Yes. And and yeah. you engage in conversation and, and you kind of slip in, well, why don't you let him off and run with my dogs? And, and they say, well, I don't because she'll never come back. Mm. Maybe the owner never tried. Yes. <laughs> and it's yeah. their own fear holding them back. But, you know, I just take that as a small example. But I... I I resist the temptation now, but I'm very often wishing to say, well, why don't we look at getting a good recall going then? And this isn't even a customer. So yes. <laughs> that's, that's why I now resist the temptation. I say, oh, well, good luck. Yes. You, you know, otherwise, I'll go out for a half hour walk and be um, coming back a, an hour and a half later. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the trouble, isn't it? You, you, uh, you do sort of fall into these things. Oh, yeah, I'll help you with that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, you know, as a trainer, my, my natural inclination is to see every dog performing at its best and, mm. and indeed the same for the owner. And it's it's a hard um, thing to resist at times. But, uh, yeah, so y y some of these um, resolutions that I'm putting in are an opportunity for people to think and reflect about what areas that it could be affecting them. Mm. Uh, whether it's a behavior or training or whether they could be doing a different sort of activity or, you know, is the level of exercise right with the dog? I could talk for at length at hours at different things that we could think of. But they struck me as a, a fairly 
instinctive reaction to some of the things that an owner could could uh, probably most owners could consider yeah 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 i think that's great because you've chosen things there nick that you know are relevant to you know every listener and and every yeah. every listener's dog you know they can take something away from that and and if they do then a lot of dogs and a lot of owners are going to have a much better 2011 than they would have done otherwise I couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for that, Nick. Um, where can people find out more about you on the internet? Yes, well, I have um, uh, an extensive website, which is uh, www.alphadogbehaviour.co.uk. Um, I, I'm really into Twitter this year, so if there's um, any Twitter users out there, my username is uh, UK Dog Trainer. Great. Thanks ever so much. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Julie, and um, I wish you well for 2011, of course. We have links to Nick's website and Twitter account so you can benefit from his training advice further. And if you decide to incorporate one of his suggested resolutions into 2011, do let us know how you get on. A dog's nose being wet is not necessarily an indicator of good health. It's normal for a dog to drain some fluid out of the nose, and it may be wet and cold because of evaporation. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. Christmas can be a slow news time, but this festive season there's been quite a few interesting dog-related stories hitting the headlines. First off, there was Chaser, a brilliant border collie who has learned over 1,000 words. I've been counting up, and I think Buddy knows around 20 words, some of them better than others, and of course, dinner is his favourite word. But how on earth do you teach a dog 1,000 words? Well, it took psychologists Alistair Reed and John Pilly in South Carolina, USA, three years of patient work, introducing words gradually, one at a time. That works out at around one word a day, which is a very impressive rate, and certainly beats the previous record of 200 words, which was held by another border collie. But brains aren't everything when it comes to dogs. Certainly not for Russian Prime Minister Vladimir Putin, who showed his new Bulgarian shepherd dog off to the press recently, but claimed the dog can't do a thing. Somehow, I doubt that, though, because all dogs are good at something, even if it's only spreading love. Often there's no love lost between dogs and cats, but in Edmonton, Canada, a dog living wild who had been injured in a car accident was discovered doing her best to raise her family. A litter of five puppies and one kitten. The dog was taken to a shelter and named Esperanza. And though the kitten, who was named Jacob, was old enough to be weaned, staff bring him back for daily visits with his adoptive family, which they all enjoy. Esperanza had surgery for her injuries, and all the animals are now looking for new homes. The shelter are hoping to home Esperanza and Jacob together, and I really hope they do. Meanwhile, in New York, Phoebe, a pit bull out on her walk, caught the scent of a cat. But this was good news for the cat, because it saved his life. The poor kitten had been abandoned in a taped-up cardboard box in an alley, but thanks to Phoebe, he's now in a shelter and being cared for. He's been named Jack, as in Jack in the Box. In the UK, we've had some unusually cold weather, and up in Scotland, where conditions have been particularly harsh, three days before Christmas, a gorgeous little Cairn Terrier, Hamish, boarded a bus all on his own, curled up in a warm spot, and refused to budge. 
Eventually, Hamish was delivered to the Scottish SPCA's Glasgow Animal Rescue and Rehoming Centre, where again he found a warm spot and curled up. Happily, Hamish's desperate owner heard the story of the dog on the bus and was soon reunited with him. I hope 2011 brings lots more happy dog-related stories, and as usual, Kate and Nick will be bringing you the best of those stories. If you spot a story you'd like to share with other listeners, do email it through to us or contact us on the Dogcast Radio Twitter feed or Facebook page. Dogs have twice as many muscles for moving their ears as people. Cindy Marabito is the author of Pitbull Nation, which tells of her work rescuing pitbulls and many other dogs, actually. The book is full of Cindy's experiences, from the shocking to the uplifting. But right back in the beginning, Cindy was not a pitbull fan. Yes, I was like most of the population in the world. I believed everything I read. You know, and they do sell a lot of newspapers and a lot of airtime on, on, the, on the TV stations. And I believed it. You know, I, I had no reason not to believe it. You yeah. know, I, I believed that they had, you know, all the myths, the triple locking jaws. They'll go off on you and kill you in a, in a millisecond with no warning. You know, and it's, you know, if you, it's urban legend, most of it. I mean, there are some maulings. I'm not going to, you know, be dishonest. But we can get into that a little bit. Actually, I actually believe with all my heart if people were to follow my five suggestions that I give them when they foster or adopt a dog from me, there would be not be another molly ever. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning of your um, volunteering in rescue, uh, you were taking photographs to put um, to help get dogs adopted. You were doing photographs of dogs to put on the website and, you know, a bit of a biog about the dog to help get them adopted. And you had to work your way up, didn't you, to, to sort of be a, a second level of volunteer. And then you could go and, and uh, photograph the pit bulls too. And it was kind of that gradual interaction with them that alerted you to their plight, wasn't it? Oh, yes. I just kept seeing... I, I was like the rest of the population. I would walk by the pit bull room, and I wouldn't go in there for whatever reason. I felt kind of bad. I was kind of afraid. I was. Uh, I, I felt kind of guilty because I was taking photographs of the cats and the kittens and the other dogs, but I was, I was not being fair to the pit bulls. Yeah. And so I finally just made a decision. I, I was like, I can't go on like this. I'm... I'm going to start taking pictures of the pit bulls, too. And I uh, applied for, you know, the volunteer training where you uh, wear a green smock instead of a blue smock. And uh, you're trained to handle the more serious dogs, you know, the Rottweilers or, you know. But all of these dogs were on the adoptable side. They had all been gone through scrutinous uh, temperament tests over and over and over. Because they use a dog, the way they, they operate is they'll use a dog they've already put on the adoptable side every time they bring in a new dog who needs to be temperament test, tested. And so this dog might not have eaten breakfast or might not have had a walk that day, but he would have to come out and, and, and perform in a stellar way over and over. 
at the drop of a hat. So these were pretty good dogs. They had been tested and pushed. So I had my first experience with Rainbow. I think you might have read about Rainbow in the the book. Yeah. And he looks like a greyhound, mainly. He was one of these dogs. He had the brindle, but he had a big, long, curled-up tail, pointy ears. I still have a picture of him. Mm. And uh, he was one of these dogs that, you know, people get as a puppy or for whatever reason, and then they wind up at the pound with absolutely no training, about a year and a half old, and hyper. And it was my first experience photographing, and he wasn't a football. <laughs> that was the only thing he had in common was he had some brindle coloring and some uh, person at the counter had said, oh, pit bull on his, on his card. And um, we went into the Get Acquainted Room, which is basically set up for rainy days and to show kittens. It was not set up to show, to, you know, deal with a big dog like Rainbow with a, an agenda of its own. And it took me about 30 minutes to get a solid shot because the camera, I think I mentioned in the book, they had a donated camera and the shutter was just atrocious. It took, you could not get a pose and then get the shutter and, you know, everything to configure in time to get a decent shot. And I think I finally got this one shot, which you can tell by the picture I have now, it's not a very good one, uh, of Rainbow, but that was my first experience. And it wasn't even a pit bull. Yeah. The dog was a, a just a, a mix. And most of the dogs I've rescued over the years are are genuine, what we used to call Heinz 57, a little yeah. bit of this and a little bit of that. So I get a lot of pit bulls because my... Uh, a doctor that I talk about later, and he is just my really good friend, Doug. Uh, he is our dog whisperer here in Austin. And Doug tells me, he goes, there's a little bit of pit in everything Yes. nowadays. <laughs> and I believe that. I believe just because of the people have, you know, not spayed, neutered, or for whatever reason, there is a little, he can see a little bit of pit in every dog almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, these pit bulls or these part pit bulls really got under your skin, didn't they? Because, I mean, you, you, you devote the, the book, you dedicate the book to, you know, the dogs that you, you couldn't help, the, the dogs that you didn't help for, you know, whatever reason, they, they slipped through the net. And one that you mentioned early on is Martha. And you say she was absolutely ball mad. You know, she just wanted to chase a ball and chase a ball and chase a ball. And what I, I find you know, poignant, I suppose, is that you say, you know, I think of Martha every day and I remember her every day. And, you know, you, you do get the sense from the book that it's those dogs that that slipped through the net that really got to you and made you think, no, I've got to do something here. Yes, Martha, I felt completely helpless. And that's a feeling that I continually have up, up so late as, is any every day on my on my computer I see these dogs just everywhere for strays or families relinquishing. It's just terrible right now. And I get that sense of helplessness and Martha I would go out and and play with her or I I say play with her. She was a working dog. 
she was the best I ever saw as far as what they look for in drug detection work mm. or bomb detection, any kind of detection work, search and rescue. They look for a dog who is all about the lure. And my dog, Robin Cowgirl, she's somewhat like that, but she is not nearly as driven as Martha was. And for whatever reason, someone saw that quality in her at this shelter and decided that she should not be on the available side, that she should be put to sleep. Mm. And I begged. I said, oh, please, let's reconsider. I just got, I had a connection with her. I knew that she was great. Mm. If, if she would have been any other place with, you know, I, I see all these dog behaviorists that make two and $300 an hour. Here's a brilliant dog that could really, you know, like they say in On the Waterfront, she could have been a contender. She was, but I had to spend, you know, they decided she was going to go, go down. And I I just begged to spend the last few days with her, and they let me go out and work with her in the yard. And she, the other, the other level of that was I knew she was going to die. But she was so driven in, in being a dog. She was about here and now, the ball, the work. Mm. And I think about that, and I think about we as humans spend so much time, oh, the world's going to explode, the weather is going to be horrible, the war is never going to end. We've got so much noise going on, and we can learn so much from these animals. Yes. She was just about, let's just, we can't do anything about tomorrow. Let's work right now. Let's play with this ball. And I would reach down and try to pet her. You know, because I'm not a dog trainer. I, I opened the book with that. But you know how you'll throw the ball a bit, and then you reach down and you want to have a little love or yeah. whatever with the dog. She was not about that. She was there to work, and she would very politely turn her head from me. Like, no. It was just like the, the dog telling the person, no, we're mm. here to work. <laughs> and that, and for, I wasn't as far along moving toward the rescue as I, I was to the point about a year later when I actually started it. But when I put her down, I just, I felt helpless. And that's, I guess Martha really was the reason that I, that I, that catapulted me. I've got to do something to change this. Mm. And I was in a, an arena, I talk about this, at this shelter where it was a group of know-it-alls. We know everything, you know nothing. And that cast system, you find that a lot, especially with dogs. You find a lot of people, I've studied dog behavior and I know this and you know nothing. And, you know, if we're still killing dogs, obviously somebody doesn't know everything. Mm. There's always something to learn. And, and I came to the table with that. There's something to learn from these dogs. And I just need in a solution. I'm still looking for solutions. Mm. Mm. And I mean, at the, at, back at the beginning, when you know, in your early days, and and sort of when you were trying to do your best for these pit bulls, there were so many conditions um, put on people before they could have a pit bull. And one of the things that horrified me was the lady who already had a pit bull wanted to adopt. Um, I can't remember the name of the dog, but she wanted to adopt one of the pit bulls. Was it Justin? And then she said, but I take my other pit bull to the, the dog park. And they said, no, it's all off. Oh, yeah. This was a woman who, there were two women that kind of ran the shelter. I mean, that, a lot of people ran it. But there were these two women who were very strong. 
and all about control. Mm. And, you know, I, I refer to that Stanford prison test from the 70s mm. because I see this in people, just from my old government classes in college. I see this in people. You give somebody a little bit of power. You've heard the term drunk with power. Yeah, yeah. And you see this a lot in shelters because these people have probably never had any kind of control or power in their lives. And they get these jobs. And they become like Nazis. I'm not saying everybody that works in shelters is a bad person. There are some wonderful people, but I have seen some Nazis. And uh, these women, I'm going to come right out and say it, they were pitbull Nazis, (laughs) Um, the two women that ran it. And this woman, she had the ability, and it does something to you, I guess, to be in charge of so many lives and Sophie's choice, this one lives, this one dies Mm. every day, Mm. that something in you must just click at some point. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen to me. I just get burned out and I I get kind of angry and cranky and I get mad at my own dog. I just feel helpless. And I have to do a wake-up call on myself. But some of these people in in these shelters and this particular woman have the ability to say, this one dies. And so it gets clouded with human personalities. I'm mad at this person. They like this dog. I'm doing this dog. This goes on a lot. Mm-hmm. And that should not be allowed. No. That's just wrong. And that's what was happening at the shelter. That's what I wrote about in the book. That's what was happening, happening at the shelter. And a lot of these shelters have the attitude that these are our animals. We are going to, we're the law, we're going to make these decisions. And the community literally owns the animals. You're basically there to safeguard and make decisions for the community. So Mm -hmm. you can't really say these are our animals when the community actually, as far as the law is concerned, the community does own the animals. And that's, that was the trouble I ran into there. Yeah. And I did have a different way of looking at things and... I made sure, I'm jumping all over the place, but I made sure that I never was rude to anyone, Mm. wanted to be, but I made sure I never wrote anything ugly that they could get me on. I knew that these people, you know, could could mess me up where I couldn't do my work. So I was very careful and I was very guarded as far as... um, what I said and and how I operated. Yeah, I love I love your phrase of you know whatever it takes to walk out with the dog that you were prepared you know as you say to mind your p's and q's and be nice to people and just you know uh, what's the phrase massage egos you know if necessary. But I want to walk out with that dog. I want to save that dog. That's what the dogs taught me. Yeah, the dogs. Have you ever noticed with your dog when they want a biscuit? <laughs> And they're sitting there, and then they do the down. Yeah. And then they do the sit. And they're sitting there, and they're looking at you. You know, I learned how to get the dogs out by watching that. What do I need to do to get the cookie? Yeah. It isn't going to help to yell. If I bark, they're certainly not going to give me the cookie. If I sit down and go, you are the best shelter in the world. (laughs) How How do you think we can fix this problem? Yeah. Well, why don't we do this? And you could see the chest swell. Why don't we do this? And 
why don't we try? I'll tell you what. We'll go ahead and let you foster this da-da-da-da. And yeah. you made, what a great idea. <laughs> chop, chop, chop. Thanks for my cookie. Let's walk out with the dog, you know. Yeah. And I'm still telling people how to get these dogs out of the shelter. Even though I'm banned there, mm-hmm. I'm still telling people because the same people are in charge. And I'm telling them, this is how you have to do it. Because they'll go, these people, the animal control took my dog. Um, all he did was scare our neighbor. He didn't bite him. But the animal control took da-da-da-da for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I get these stories. And I go, here's who you need to make an appointment and see. Don't go to an attorney. Don't alert the media because they won't help you anyway. You have to just call this person and ask for a sit down and let them be very nice. Don't lose your temper. Do whatever you need to do to praise this person's ego and stroke this person's ego and tell them, you know, what can we do to save my dog? And I guarantee you they will let you have the dog back. And it happens every time. Yeah. Yeah. Every single time, even though, and it's so funny, I feel like, I I put this in there, I feel like Dalton Trumbo, remember the blacklisted Hollywood screenwriter? Yeah. And he won the Oscar, but he was in Spain, and we're calling out this fake name at the Oscars. Mm. Where is this Robert Carlton? And it was (laughs) Dalton Trumbo, and he was in Spain, and... You know, here he was, the greatest screenwriter in the world, but he couldn't go and get a, an Academy Award because he was blacklisted for the, uh, you know, the the blacklist for communism. Yeah. And had to exile to Spain. And it was so funny. I, I always say, I feel like Dalton Trumbo. I'm sitting here <laughs> telling people how did this shelter work, how to go get the dog, how to save the dog. And just think if we could all work together, how many animals we could really save. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're very honest in the book about the nature of of pit bulls. I I found it very moving when you wrote about girl, uh, rowdy cow girl, who killed your cat. And you don't pull any punches. You're very honest. You you obviously love these dogs, but you know them so well, and you accept them, and you say, look, that was my fault. And I think you made a very good point about you know comparing the nature of cats with the nature of of girl at that time. Um, and, and it just made complete sense to me. And I thought, yeah, you're right, actually. Oh, she is the most wonderful dog in the world. Now, this is a dog that I've had 12 years, and I can really study. Mm. I can watch girl, because everybody at this shelter, all the, you know, I call them the know-it-alls. Yeah. They were all, now, girl's a good pit bull. Mm. She's a good one. And I was like, hmm. There's something else there. She's doing that, what do I need to do to get the cookie? She's not that smart. She's kind of a dumb Dora. But she's just smart enough to get what she wants and lay up on the king-size bed all day long. Because, you know, she's got it pretty good. So she's figured out a good life for herself. I consider her pretty smart. Mm. But what girl has is, and I've taken her to many aggressive, we set up an aggressive dog training class in San Francisco, and it's just wonderful. It's $200, six classes, and I've seen people go in there with human-aggressive dogs of all breeds that had to be muzzled. Mm-hmm. And there, I had one woman, I'm just going to tell a little story. I had one woman, uh, she uh, is an, uh, of Asian descent, and her husband loved this dog. He was a great big Nikita. 
big, furry, beautiful specimen, just as human aggressive as the day is long. The, mm. the trader couldn't get near him. Nobody. We put a um, muzzle around him. And he had scared their neighbor so bad, the neighbor had filed so many complaints that the man was going to put down this dog. And the man was brokenhearted. Mm. And you'll love this being British. This Akita's name was Nick because the man was a huge Rolling Stones fan. <laughs> and he has this giant, I mean, doesn't, nothing like Mick Jagger. Great, big, fluffy, hairy Akita. And, and attitude and everything. He's a very stoic, very quiet dog. Nothing like Mick Jagger. No. <laughs> but this man loved this dog. And uh, you could tell he was broken. The dog kind of knew it was his last chance. And the woman, the wife, came over to me. And she just wanted to keep, she wanted to have her life. Her, her neighbors leave her alone, et cetera. She pulled me aside and she said, you know, I don't think Nick can be helped. I really don't believe this class is going to help. I don't think we're going to attend this class. This is the first day. Mm-hmm. And I said, let me do this. Go ahead and you're here. You've got the muzzle on him. Attend the class. And if, if for any reason you don't want to come back, we'll give you a full refund. But you're already here. Go ahead and see if you can pick up something. Halfway through the class. And, you know, the reason I mentioned the woman was Asian uh, the Asian uh, people are emotional as Texans, for example. Mm. This woman grabbed me in the middle of the class, wailing in tears. She could not believe the change in her dog. Oh. From the work, you know, it just showed you. And this was years ago before I'd even gotten into the Wayora and the flower essences and everything. But here was this dog. And she'd given up on him. She just knew that he had to be killed. Mm. He had to be. He, they couldn't fix him. He was too much dog for them. And they attended all of those classes. And he's not a dog park dog, but they're able to go on walks with their dog. They're able to enjoy their family life. If they need to go do a check back in at dog training, they have a solid dog trainer that they can go to yeah. who knows their dog. Yeah. It's amazing. But anyway, that girl started that class. Girl and junior the dog um, who we had that was killed, mm. all of a sudden, Junior started trying to kill Rebel, my, my chow, the little 16-year-old. He just came around the corner. He's a, he's a ham. I had to do something about that. We couldn't have four or five dogs living in the house and fosters coming in and dog fights, etc. Mm. So I talked to uh, Bob and the other man, and we set up this dog aggression class and I learned something about girl at the class we got all the dogs in and I was getting calls that class stayed full for years because I would get all these calls from people who had been threatened by animal control or for whatever reason and they started attending this class with just amazing results but here was um, girl and junior in this class and girl they come by and they do all the sits down, they push her, they get tests. Bob's uh, Belgian Malinois, who is really trained to push a dog. And girl doesn't respond, nothing. Then they go down to Junior, and they start pushing Junior. And Junior was a little pushy, red-nosed, leggy, Vichla mix. Mm. And they start pushing Junior, and he reacts. He's like the typical, you see these 
underweight guys that are uh, chronic prisoners in prison. Mm. I always said if Junior was a guy, he would be one of those skinny little habitual criminals in prison. <laughs> just not very bright, but just always in trouble. Mm. You know, just ever since they were a teenager, that was the kind of guy Junior was. And the minute they started in on Junior, that got girl going. She was a frenzy fighter. Mm. And I learned something big. It isn't, uh, she isn't going to go start a fight. But if someone else starts one, well, she wants to be in there and she wants to finish it. Then yeah. I knew, I knew the dog. I knew something about girl. She'd lived with me for four or five years, but I knew something about her that I could work with, that I could manage, and that I could mainly use to help other people. Mm. So as you say, the, the best teacher was the dogs, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, you really, uh, that's just, I, I really believe all of these aggression, levels of aggression, we just have so much to learn. We shouldn't be uh, just automatically euthanizing every one of them. Why not study some of them and see what what causes these? Is it is it a health reason? Is it a, is it a, an environmental thing? I, I'm just... I just don't believe in killing the problem. I'm I'm really big into homeopathy that I mentioned earlier, and I'm learning about it all the time. I'm, again, no doctor. But homeopathy believes in the – it's kind of like the dog training. A good dog trainer wants the dog to react so he can correct the dog. Mm, yeah. You know, and homeopathy wants you to show a symptom – so they can correct the disease that causes the symptoms. So I can really understand that yeah. aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. Now, you, you've mentioned um, euthanasia, and there, there were so many moving parts of the book, but the, the one that, I, again, I found really moving was you paint this lovely picture of how you settle down. There's, there's the six pit bulls in the pit bull room. And you settle them down and they've all got their clean blankets and, and you sing with them. And you paint this lovely picture of it and it's all, you know, nice. And then you go back in the morning and there's just a bombshell that really is the, the catalyst that starts you off and you think, right, I've got to start my own rescue. Oh, yeah. That day, that night, I was riding home on such a high. It was like one of those great days perfect has a perfect ending all of those dogs i was just singing to them and they all joined in mm. they were yo kind of like yodeling carusos they were in that bob he could he couldn't sing a lick but he was this beautiful big white pit bull and he was just yelling and yodeling and it was like <laughs> i can sing i mean you could just hear it in his voice and i went home and you know you get we get busy in our lives mm. And I didn't, I just felt so good. And I didn't really digest it. And then I thought about it and I slept really good. And I went back the next morning and I didn't have that horrible feeling I usually have. I couldn't wait to get in there mm. and see those. I wanted to relive that good feeling. And I walk in and every dog in there is a different dog. Mm. And I guess they get, were extra full. Because they killed them at night. They usually uh, put them down at 3 in the afternoon. Yeah. And this was like 7, 8, 9. It was dark when I got out. So it was late at night. And um, 
they either put them down first thing in the morning or late that night. Mm. And as you say, you, you can't... I mean, I don't think I could... You say very honestly in the book, I, 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 you didn't sit in with the um, euthanised dogs. I don't think I could either, particularly when some of the flimsy reasons why these dogs are deemed only fit to be put to sleep and you just think this is so unfair and it was that that really pushed you and and then you decided to set up round at rescue didn't you well yeah and like you you brought up justin a while back and and the woman at at animal control Mm. uh he we we talked about all these rules and now it now it isn't you don't have to have pit bull experience and i feel like i played a big part in that because the greatest adopters i've had the most perfect adopters i've had have been people with absolutely no dog experience and of yes. course i don't put a martha in their life but i put a justin this dog that was killed because the woman took her other pit bull to the dog park to stern grove this beautiful if you ever get to san francisco go to stern grove they have music um you know concerts there and these giant eucalyptus trees and it's just incredibly lovely it's a really pretty place and they have a pretty dog park Mm. and she took her dog there every day and you know if we haven't been hearing this dog is causing dog fights every day at Stern Grove. It's a pretty small world. Yeah. If the dog was a bad dog, we would, somebody would have heard something. And just because of that, this person, Colleen, in the book, said, well, adoption over. And the dog was put down. And he was seven months old. And he also, another thing I remember about Justin is he still had his little puppy fur. Oh. He had a, he was like a golden, like a ruddy color, mm. like a strawberry blonde all over. And his fur was about maybe one third of an inch long, but it had that soft, yeah. uh, feathery, puppy, puppy feel to it. Yeah, I know. He was still a puppy. He was yeah. going to be the best dog. Oh. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean about puppy coat when you touch a, a young dog and, that, and there's that... Oh, they're so soft and fluffy, yeah. Oh. That's what he was. And he's already a big boy. He mm. already weighed about 55 pounds. He was, you know, had his adult size, but he still had that puppy coat, and he had his whole life. Yeah. And Bob, I keep going back to my trainer, Bob. Bob always says that any trainer out there can train anything out of a puppy. Mm. A puppy is, you can just do anything with a puppy. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. I really believe. Yes, it, it, the, the behavior isn't entrenched, is it? You know, you can, as you say, you can shape them and, and lead them. Yeah. Well, this director at the shelter, I, I put in the, uh, I, I noted in the book where he actually held an interview at one point and said that any puppy who witnesses a dog fight will grow up to be a, a, a fighting dog. Oh. And I'm like, what? Yeah. You, I mean, that's one of those things where you really want to be careful what you say in print. Yeah, yeah. That was that's just ridiculous. Why why are you a director at an animal control? You mm. really shouldn't be. No, no. And why are people coming to you for for comments? You know, when you're saying things like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's cuckoo. That's just the first half of Cindy's interview. You can find out more about her via the link on the Dogcast Radio site to Cindy's website, pitbullnationonline.com, and she's also on Facebook.
In the next episode of Dogcast Radio, you can hear Cindy talking about how she started her own rescue, inspired by the dogs she had come to love so much. Many dogs have an undercoat, which helps them stay warm and dry in cold weather and protects them from the sun in the summer. We brought you news in episode 111 of Dogcast Radio that dogs had been falling ill after being walked on the Royal Sandringham Estate, with six dogs sadly dying, and the Queen had asked the Newmarket-based Animal Health Trust to investigate the cases. The Trust received feedback regarding 380 dogs, both healthy and ill, who had walked at Sandringham, but have been unable to come up with any conclusive answers other than the dogs died from a mystery ailment called canine seasonal illness. The same illness is thought to be responsible for eight unexplained dog deaths in Sherwood Forest in 2009 and two other dogs from Kings Lynn near Sandringham. But it's very worrying that we don't know what's going on. Another worrying development in the recent cold weather in the UK is that dogs have been poisoned by rock salt and antifreeze used to combat the dreadful conditions. The substances get onto the dog's paws during walks and then the dog ingests them when he licks his paws clean later at home. Maybe we'll be seeing more dogs in boots in cold weather in the future. If you get snow in the winter, how do you keep your dog safe from any chemicals, and warm enough too? We'd love to know. I hope 2011 is going well for you, and until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com if you'd like to get in touch with us and wherever you are in the world we'd love to hear from you you can do so in a variety of ways by phone from the uk you can contact us on 0121-288-0922 from the us you can contact us on our american number which is 315-849-2022 from any other country, you'll need your international exit code and then 44121-288-0922. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on julie at dogcastradio.com. When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com. And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What do you get if you cross a dog and a cheetah? A dog that chases cars and catches them.